Hi, Samantha. You look more like a Heather. Do you ever get that? It's nice to finally meet you in person. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 229. It is March 11th or 12th, 2020. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, there's so many things to talk about this week. Yes, and uh, let's let's get to them before one of us contracts uh, some sort of virus. The world's, the world's ending. Uh, I, I don't even know... I don't even know where to start. I so guess... As- I As guess of press time, uh, the NBA just suspended its season. Uh, the NCAA is not allowing fans inside of buildings for March Madness, and everything's fine with WrestleMania, right? Well, unless you're flying in from Europe. Oh, right. All yeah, all travel from Europe to to the United States has been banned for thirty days, so. Yeah, it just feels like this thing, this whole thing's a ticking time bomb with the uh, the coronavirus deal, and I don't know how many more weeks there's going to be live audiences for television wrestling, <laughs> but I guess we'll find out. Yeah, it's it's going to be strange, I think, but obviously, public health is of the utmost importance. Like, there's no there's no argument to be had. <laughs> about a situation like this it's uh, it's clearly a very dangerous situation uh, especially to people with potentially compromised immune systems older folks and even if you know if you or i get that get, were to contract that disease we'd probably be okay if we were able to take time off from work and rest and get medicated but you know we might give the disease if we're out in public we might give the disease to somebody who doesn't have uh, uh, whether that's the ability to go see a doctor or uh, or again for an older person or someone with a compromised immune system uh, so it's it's not just about oh each individual is probably not likely to die but you're also potentially carrying the virus and giving it to other people um, so yeah it's it's you know if you look it up the flu kills a lot more people than I think most people would think every year in this country and well, while this is not, you know, some plague that's going to wipe up, wipe out all of mankind, it's ser- it's very serious, and it's <laughs> the way not to get too political right off the bat, but it's like <laughs> this is kind of the perfect country for a pandemic of it to break out. Uh, so yeah, I think maybe it would probably be for the best if we just we either postpone shows or we don't have live audiences at these shows for a while. It's bizarre, man. It's really bizarre. I don't I don't know where to go with it. Other than that, I guess the good news, selfishly for myself, is that I work from home and rarely leave the house. So mm. I've already pretty much self quarantined. <laughs> so this is uh, this I say life will be much unchanged for the the more introverted. Uh, members of our society, I suppose. <laughs> Thousand percent. All right. 
far less important news, but lots of wrestling stuff to get into. There was WWE pay-per-view this past weekend. I fell asleep during the show. <laughs> there was Monday Night Raw this week. I was working during that show and only caught the last hour and a half or so. There was Dynamite and NXT earlier this evening as we're, we are recording very late on Wednesday night. Uh, start with the pay-per-view. What do you think? I fell asleep. I have no opinion on the show other than that. <laughs> I cannot believe that AJ Styles' match went like 22 minutes. Yeah, um, crowd couldn't believe it either. Uh, <laughs> I did not think it was a terrible show. Uh, it was too long, as most WWE shows are, but uh, I didn't hate it. The Gulak Brian match that opened the show was very different than most things you're going to see on WWE television or even NXT television. Um, it was it was very unique, um, and I enjoyed it for that reason. Uh, the rest of the show had some fine wrestling, but the crowd got progressively less into the show as it went on, <laughs> and that uh, that was sort of highlighted in two moments. One being the SmackDown Tag Team Chamber match, where really the only team that was like real the crowd was really into were Otis and Tucker. Um, which uh, who are pinned by Rob Rude and uh, Dolph Ziggler, and you're thinking, and you might be thinking, okay, we're setting up that Ziggler, who has been in the storyline with Otis uh, and Mandy Rose, he and Rob are going to win the tag titles, and then at Mania, Otis and Tucker get their big moment, and they win the belts from from the bad guy who stole Otis's love interest or whatever. But instead. A minute later, Rob Roode and Dolph Ziggler got pinned by the Usos, <laughs> and the crowd died and did not care for basically the rest of the match. So, um, yeah, it wasn't, like I said, I don't think it was a terrible show. Uh, that AJ match, as you mentioned, went for a really long time. Everyone was waiting for The Undertaker to come out, and eventually he did. And then they were into that, and then... Uh, yeah, the main event happened, and uh, they decided to, I guess, they they refused to kayfabe the pod opening times. <laughs> so once Shayna Baszler eliminated, like, three women and was standing in the ring by herself, she had to wait, like, three minutes for Liv Morgan's pod to open. And then once she killed her, she had to wait another three or four minutes for Asuka's pod to open. So uh, was did not love the timing on this show but uh, i don't know overall i didn't i wasn't mad that i watched it when it was over and that's always nice when you watch a wwe show do you think they did a good job of trying to rebuild shana after destroying her on raw last week <laughs> i except for the chamber is not opening for five minutes <laughs> yes they went i mean they did what you should do if you're trying to build a monster heel challenger she killed everyone and beat them with her move. So I, I really, I think they did their best. I think they did the best that they could. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it kind of seemed like maybe for a minute we were going for like a Rocky three thing where uh, the champ is a little overconfident and the new, the new killer heel is going to come in and uh, beat them up and, and take them down a peg, and then the, the champ's going to have to rebuild, and 
fight, fight, you know, fight, start back at the bottom and work their way back up. But then this week it felt, it felt to me on Raw that they're kind of shifting back into, as we kind of, as you kind of predicted that they would, or back to, uh, you know, Becky being a tough, tough girl who wants to kill Shayna again. So maybe, maybe we're just going to build Shayna up as a, as a, as a big, as a big monster heel. And then Becky's just going to beat her. The, the main event of Raw this week was another match where I just felt, Raw to me just felt like they were killing time. And they, they did like a an eight man main event where they just they cut off each baby face individually one at a time. <laughs> and like that main event had to have been close to a half hour. Uh yeah. but I guess the big deal on Raw was Edge uh coming back trying to get his hands on Randy Orton. He did not. He killed uh Montel Vontavius Porter instead. And what I did not think was a very effective segment. What did you think of Edge's return this week? And did it make you more or less interested in the match with Orton or about the same? So I didn't I didn't hate the segment. Um, I thought it was a little clunky. Um, one, it's like MVP just pops up on Raw once a month to get beat up by somebody. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's fine. That's a fine role for him. He's an effective talker. And so, like, he got the fans to boo him. And the fans did cheer when Edge beat him up. But yeah, having Edge come out and like interact with this weird like relic of WWE of 2007 WWE. <laughs> and I guess Edge himself is kind of a relic of that era too. But um, I don't know. <laughs> that, I thought that part of it was weird. And then yeah, doing the physicality with Orton. I was worried that they were actually going to have Edge do the concerto to Orton on that show. Um, because if you remember like two years ago, they had a really hot angle with Rollins and Orton, uh, with Orton as the baby face. And then one week on raw Orton just beat up the entire authority and RKO to Rollins through a table. And there were still like five weeks to go before WrestleMania. Um, so they had to like redo an angle where the authority beat Orton down again the next week. So I was, I was like, don't, please don't, please don't have edge get his revenge on this, on this show when we're still a month out. (laughs) But they didn't. But then I will say, I laughed so hard when he put on the standing head and arm choke on MVP. I thought that looked so silly. It was really bad. <laughs> like, like I don't think it looks good when I'm not. I'm not being an AEW fanboy. I don't think it looks particularly good when Jake Hager does it either. No. Nope. But but at least he's like a big muscle, like a big tall muscle man, and Edge Edge doing like an awkward. Like it looks like I don't know like a whatever that is. It's it it's, looks dumb. It's not very theatrical looking for the world of pro wrestling. No, <laughs> and, and people don't do it in pro wrestling for that reason. <laughs> yes. Also, it's like Edge has been around since 1997. Yeah, he's never done that. Nope. So people expect to see him do a spear. Maybe the, the like the lifting DDT he used to do, yeah, uh, something how, like that. How about a sharpshooter? Sure, there you go. I think he did that for a little while, and even if he didn't, people recognize that as a pro wrestling hold. Yes. Um. Yeah. Do any any hold that people know, and they probably would have popped much bigger for it. Instead, he put him in that head and arm choke, and they just kind of stood there. And uh, like I said, they they got the crowd back with the, with the concerto at the end there at MVP. But yeah, I did. I did not think 
like I said, I don't think it was a total disaster or anything, but I do think of everything they've done with Randy Orton at Edge, it was like the worst thing they've done so far. I would agree. I thought it was just a a case of trying to do too much in one segment. (laughs) It's like, okay, they tried to uh, establish the Edge's back, establish that he's a killer, and they want to try to get over like a submission, (laughs) get over a new finish for him. <laughs> well, yeah. Let's maybe just do two of those things, and in one of the three shows between now and Mania, you can try to work to get over his new submission. Or maybe instead of a thirty-eight minute eight-man tag main event, you could, you know, do some video packages where you show him doing his uh, his Chris Jericho dad MMA class. <laughs> Where he him works. and Kane. Him and Kane could be working together. Sure, why not? Working on working on his new hole, you know? Yeah. But that's it's probably a little nitpicky, but okay. So Wednesday Night War. I watched AEW. I assume you watched AEW. Yes, that's usually the safe bet. Yeah, I, what, uh, what'd you think? Thought it was a pretty good show. There wasn't a ton on the show that made me just, you know, that I thought was, oh, that's great, that's great, and I'm going to remember it for the next week. Um, But I thought it was a pretty easy-to-watch show. They're obviously continuing their build to their Not War Games match, and I think one thing that they do effective, and I know maybe there's an argument to be made that they do the heel faction beatdowns too much, um... But to me, it is effective because they're trying to make it clear, one, that the man advantage matters, uh, which will be important in the War Games match. And also that the heels are never fighting fair. Like, they're always attacking guys four-on-one, five-on-two, whatever. And so in War Games, eventually at some point it will become a fair fight with five good guys fighting the five bad guys. And then the five good guys will have their chance to get their revenge. So I do think, I did think even if that's kind of a repeat angle that they do a lot, I thought the, the heel beat down this week was pretty effective. what do you think? Yeah, that's mostly a good show. I'm not going to remember most of it for, you know, I, I would, I would like, just some killer matches every week. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I, there, there is no New Japan this month, so I can't see the top flight actual professional wrestling in the world. Um, WWE, I can't remember the last good match in WWE. <laughs> um, AEW, usually there's one really killer match every week, and sometimes if you're lucky, you'll get a whole night of them. Mm-hmm. And, like, I really liked the Janela and Lucha Bros uh, six-man tonight. I thought that was probably the closest thing to a killer match on the show that there was. Yeah. But, I don't know. Give me... I, I wouldn't mind a little more. A little more than that. And, I don't know. We got the... Uh, you get the Exalted one coming next week. Excited about yeah. that? Um, I mean... I'm not. No, I mean, I wouldn't say excited. I'm mildly curious. Like we talked about a few weeks ago, I was kind of hoping it would be Daniels 
um, because I think there's more like that's just a more interesting story to me. But um, I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I mean, if it's if it's Brody Lee slash Luke Harper or <sighs> Matt Hardy, like <laughs> um, that's that's fine and good for those guys, and uh, it'll probably put a little bit of juice into the Dark Order Act, which they are bound and determined to <laughs> make a thing. Um, so, I mean, and I, and I, and I, on the service level, like I appreciate that they're putting effort into their, their tag division and that it's not just whoever the champions are. And we only care about the tag division when two main eventers are holding the tag belts. Um, I do appreciate that. And I think it's good to have un- undercard storylines. I think that's, a, a huge problem uh, with modern uh, WWE is how often there are so many guys just doing stuff and they aren't, they just come out and have matches and then one guy wins, one guy loses, and then we just move on. Um, so I appreciate having storylines even for, even for your, your lower card acts, but no, I'm not. I'm not chomping at the bit, I wouldn't say, to find out who the exalted one is. Can't disagree with you there. NXT was at the performance center this week, yeah. I guess, because there was a conflict at full sale, although this could be standard operating procedure going forward. Yeah. Depending on how uh, things shake down here. Uh, I haven't seen results. Anything notable coming up on the NXT show? Uh, Charlotte beat up Rhea and okay. did the my favorite spot, the ring, the ring post figure four. All right. Um, and then the show ended with Ciampa and Gargano brawling. And there's, you know, sometimes on NXT there's just a big platform. Like sometimes William Regal will be standing on like a big platform to announce a match or something. Um, yeah, there's like a little platform to the, on one of the sides of the stage. Yeah. Well, this week that platform was, uh, right behind the announcer table. And so Ciampa, uh, and Gargano, uh, fought on the platform and then Ciampa put Gargano through the table with the, 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 whatever that move's called, that the one that he did to, that's this, the Seamus move, the, the Finley move where you... That's not a Death Valley driver, but I don't know what you call it. Um, uh, and put put himself and Gargano through that table, and uh, yeah, that was that was mostly what I saw of of, of NXT this week. So they're kind of you talked about an air raid crash. Yeah, that one. Okay, <laughs> I couldn't right. think of the name. I just remember that Sheamus did. <laughs> Ugh, yeah, and the uh, the NXT uh, tag champs, the Broserweights, defeated uh, Bob Fish and. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly to retain it, to retain their titles, and Keith Lee beat Cameron Grimes to retain his title. So a whole lot of status quo and some brawling on the NXT tonight. Yeah, I guess we're not. I mean, and God knows that the shows are going to happen, so maybe it doesn't matter that they aren't really, like really turning up the heat on most of their. Uh, but there's a takeover allegedly happening <laughs> WrestleMania weekend, and yeah. man. It, I mean, I guess we have an idea of what some of the matches will be, but it doesn't really feel like we're in, like, go-home show mode for what is traditionally, like, one of the bigger, uh, you know, bigger NXT shows of the whole year. Obviously, 
Ciampa and Gargano, I guess, is going to be the big match, and maybe they feel like that alone is going to sell it, and they can kind of coast on the un- on whatever else is on the show. But uh, and I know they did some qualifying matches because they're doing a women's ladder match on that show. But yeah, I don't know. It's not yeah. Like, like we've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks, but NXT generally a fine show, an enjoyable show, but not a super exciting show either. No arguments there. Um, all right. I guess that's that's about all I got. You got anything else you want to get into? Uh, no. I guess I guess that's about it. I did want to. I did want to just make a note. Sam Zayn won the Intercontinental Championship on Sunday. Yes. In a in a three on one uh, handicap match. Um, where I I didn't I th- I just assumed Nakamura was the one challenging and if his team won he'd get the belt but it was a, instead it was a very wcw match where whoever pinned braun won the belt yes of course um although they didn't do the the thing where all of the guys on the same team fought each other for the pin they the other guys just let Sami Zayn win the title so uh <laughs> while that is not the most ideal situation i do think it's very funny that of all all the things you could have imagined for El Generico coming to WWE uh, back in the day. This is this is how he wins his first championship in WWE in a three on one handicap match. And uh, yeah, now he's he's a <laughs> he's a manager who is holding the Intercontinental Championship, just as we all predicted. That's a weird one. I wondered. I wondered if there was anything more to that other than. Well, looking at him, it's probably a guy that Vince doesn't like his work. <laughs> yeah. But is there a reason that he hasn't really been doing matches for like a year and a half? <laughs> yeah, I don't like I knew there were stories about like him having a reputation for like arguing with people <laughs> and like asking for like why they're doing things, <laughs> which seemed to rub a lot of people the wrong way. So like I understand why like he was not being like a a heavily pushed star act, but yes, why he hasn't been wrestling at all. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't quite understand that, but Hey, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird journey, but it's uh, it's cool that he got his little, uh, you know, if nothing else good happens to him while he works for that company. Um, yeah, he, he got, he got, he got to beat Braun Strowman in a three on one handicap match. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I just want to know, he has that mobile clinic, uh, Sammy for Syria. Um, yes. Throw that, throw that a little bit of money if, you, if you're able to. I, I was feeling pretty down about the world this week. And uh, <laughs> a thing that I, I like to try to do when I feel down is to look around and see if there's a way I can help, help anybody. And so I, I didn't give a lot. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not uh, breaking the piggy bank here. But just, hey, if you're, if you're feeling down about the world this week... Uh, maybe give a little bit of money to uh, the Sammy Fraseria charity or, or some other charity that you uh, that you respect and, and want to help. Just, uh, you know, try to try to make the world a little bit of a better place. That's 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 my message for this week on the show. And I just want to I don't want to make this a long drawn out or, ordeal, but I just did want to mention in passing. Uh, I met Sasha Banks again last week.
time. It's boss time. And um, said I'm a badass. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, she saw me coming. She signed an autograph uh, with a pink marker because I have pink hair. And I said, oh, pink's my favorite color. And she said, well, you're a badass. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I said, uh, not only, both, hey, when we were kid, both of us, when we were kids, uh, we weren't allowed to watch wrestling, but we watched it anyway. <laughs> and she said, uh, yeah, give me, give me a fist bump. So I gave her a fist bump. And I said, and this year, uh, you returned to, to WWE uh, on my birthday, <laughs> so she gave me she gave me another fist bump for that. Uh-huh. And um, I'm so glad you waited to tell me that story. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing a Sasha Banks T-shirt underneath mm-hmm. a hoodie, mm-hmm. uh, and she's like, "Are you wearing my shirt?" <laughs> And I said, uh, yes, yes, I am. And then for the photo opportunity, she's like, well, come on, you got you to gotta take, take that hoodie off so we can see the shirt. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do that because uh, I'm fat. Sure. Been <laughs> and, there. and the hoodie was making it less obvious that I was fat mm-hmm. in, in, in the photo. Uh, but uh, she said, uh, come on, you gotta take that off. So I unzipped the jacket, and um, I needed like th- three filters put on the photo to, to make it appear, make me appear less obese. Well, <laughs> I'm I'm sorry that your favorite wrestler made you uh, <laughs> made you show her your shirt. <laughs> I'm glad, really, that it was never addressed at any... I would just like to point out, it's very good and normal and healthy that a grown man rapidly approaching middle age uh, had this interaction. (laughs) Well, at least you didn't uh, ask to do a prom pose with her. No, I did not. That's... That's about all I got. Did you talk about both being homeschooled as well? Yes. Yes, we did. Did you get a third fist bump for that? No. No, I did not. No, I did not. So it Uh, sounds like it went better than your original meeting of her uh, a couple years ago. Yes. I I got to say everything I wanted to say. And the person in front of me who had... I waited in line for like... Let's see. Five, six, six and a half hours or so. Uh The person directly in front of me who had horrendous body odor, they left after like the first hour. So I had that going for me, which is nice. It's always good when there's someone around you who smells bad who then leaves. It's always a good thing. It was so bad. This person had such horrendous body odor that everyone around them around was smelling themselves like is this this me like what it's like 
I I I knew it wasn't me because I put on deodorant twice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just just to prepare. And uh yeah, it it was it was the person directly in front of me. So that was nice. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad uh, jokes aside that you you got to have a, a less ridiculous moment <laughs> with uh with your favorite wrestler this time. Yep, good times. Also, the uh, street profits were there, but they were not uh, not in front of the uh, the unwashed masses. I guess they were just. I'm guessing that she and her husband are traveling with the street profits mm. because they were there, but they were not in front of the people. So, yeah. interesting. Yeah. All right, and it, that's uh, that's all I got. Anything else? No, I mean we've we've covered a lot of ground. We've covered. Uh, coronavirus, WWE, AEW, uh, charity, uh, Sasha Banks and her husband's traveling uh, <laughs> arrangements. I mean, what else? What else is there to cover, really? Just keep in mind, I'm a badass. All right. <laughs> well, I mean, now that she said it, who, who am I to? Who, now that the boss has said it, who am I to? Who am I to argue? I am a confirmed badass. All right. Till next time, everybody. I'm a badass. <laughs> and I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Well, if you look at the last, I don't know, 25 years, uh, 30 years of presidential elections. Um, moderate Democrats don't win elections. With the exception of, I guess you can argue Bill Clinton was moderate, but he's also a very charismatic man. Uh, they ran, you know, the safe choice in the year 2000. They ran it again in 2004. Then they ran a more progressive, exciting, charismatic candidate. In 08 and one, and he won again in 12. And then they ran the safe, moderate candidate in 16 and lost to the dumbest man in the world. <laughs> so uh, it's frustrating to watch when people in exit polls suggest that the most important thing to them is defeating Trump, and then to watch the corporate media. <laughs> portray a man who is very clearly sundowning uh, as the most electable uh, especially in swing states is uh, it's quite depressing to me and like historically progressive movements are, are always incremental it's very mm-hmm. rare that like a big sweeping change comes to a country quickly sure um and so you can try to look at the silver linings of like, hey, uh, four years ago, 
there was not even a like the public option wasn't even on the table and now that's like the bare minimum of what you have to do if you're you know a democrat in the public eye so you can look at those positives that way but going into an election with a the quote-unquote moderate safe choice who while he he doesn't inspire the visceral hatred that people feel for hillary clinton um is still not an exciting candidate and i don't think that he's when you look at exit polls and 89 percent of people under you know from under in their 20s voted for bernie and those are the people that Obama got to come out in large numbers in 2008, 2012, and it's why he won. It's impossible for me to imagine that a Joe Biden presidency in any form inspires those same people to come out in in the general. And so you're back to relying on moderates and conservative Democrats and independents who really the only thing most of them don't like about Trump is that he's rude. So it's if to me, the electability argument for Joe is very weak. And if a progressive loses any election, it's used as an example of why progressives and leftists can't win elections. And yet we can continually run moderates who lose over and over again, and nobody ever makes that same argument about how moderates aren't inspiring people to get out and vote either. So it's frustrating. It's it's just it just feel, very much feels like a a two steps forward, one step back thing. And for a minute there, it looks like maybe we'd take three or four steps forward, and now it looks less likely. Well, at least Joe is trying to prove that he can be rude, too. Yeah, he's threatening to slap auto workers. That'll... <laughs> oh, it's incredible. It's such a stupid, stupid world. Why, but... why do the people not around Joe allow, allow this to happen? Well... <laughs> Like him running for president, or specifically that moment. Him running for president, considering, you know, his the state of Joe. I guess they. I think they just still think he's their best shot, and he does have support with people that matter, especially older voters, older African American voters, and. Pete didn't have that, and Klobuchar didn't have that, and Warren didn't have that, so we're crossing our fingers and hoping Joe can hold it together for a little while longer, I guess. The really disturbing to me thing to me is I don't know how anyone with a conscience can look at him and endorse him, and yet, here we are. <laughs> well, it's great. I mean, there's I mean, there's clips all over Twitter of, like, Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and Beto O'Rourke, all the people who endorsed him in the last week uh, when the primaries were, or even before the primaries, when the debates were first starting, like, all 
individually like crapping on him like Cory Booker's talking about how Joe Biden can't string a sentence together and Beto's talking about how Joe Biden would represent going backwards and that's not what the country needs and <laughs> you know Kamala ethered him in the first debate over his support of busing and then they all bent the knee for lack of a better term because that's what it was decreed needed to happen so decreed by who i mean uh, tom perez i don't know like whoever whoever's in whoever's the main guy call, calling the shots in the the Demo- i mean the the mythical democratic establishment whoever you want to say if that's tom perez i don't know how much sway schumer and pelosi have in that conversation I don't know if other legacy Democrats, like former presidents, get involved in that. I don't know. I don't. I've, I haven't heard one name specifically tied to it, but I think they just looked at it and went, uh, "Nobody that isn't white likes Pete." Uh, <laughs> Klobuchar's ceiling was finishing third in New Hampshire, um, and nobody else is really. I mean, Biden was Biden was the second place guy in, in a couple of states, so I guess they figured, well, and then he won he won South Carolina, and they went, all right, you know, older black voters will come out and support him. That means he's the guy to get around. All right. I try to keep on keeping on.